Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello again, everybody. It's Mike Petralia, Trags. It's episode 251 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network www.clnsmedia.com is where you can follow us online. You can follow us on Twitter at CLNS Media and follow our Patriots and NFL centric news at Patriots CLNS. You can also, of course, follow me on Twitter at Trags, T R A G S. My pleasure to welcome back to Patriots Beat Steve Balistrieri. He does fantastic work for patsfans.com, a Patriots blogger. And, uh, Steve, I want to get right into your uh, Patriots roster projection, your 53-man roster projection, version 1.0, post-minicamp. And uh, your biggest takeaways, I want to first start with um, uh, the running backs. And what I find fascinating here is the Jeremy Hill, Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead combination and why you think Jeremy Hill is going uh, to make this team. First of all, Mike, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. But you know, when I was looking at this, I was down at minicamp. I, I got down there. I got to see a little bit. And watching Sony Michelle, he's everything I think everyone thinks he's going to be. But he's still a rookie. He, he was making some mistakes out there. I think they would be a little hesitant to put too much on his plate early in the season. And that's why I see the opportunity for somebody, a veteran like Jeremy Hill, to carve out a role for himself on the roster, especially early in the season. I think Bill would probably, and Josh McDaniels, I'm sure, like ease Michelle into this. I think he's going to be a dynamic playmaker. But I don't think we're going to see too much on his plate, at least early in the season. Of course, that could change, you know, once they hit training camp and everything starts to fall into place for him. So you have your five running backs are Sonny Michelle, not a surprise, obviously a first-round pick, Rex Burkhead, James White, Jeremy Hill, James Devlin. There are two running backs you do not have on that list, one of which is not really a surprise, Mike Gillisley. I think a lot of people figure right now he's on the outs. And the other is Brandon Bolden. Brandon Bolden's significant because he's been such a core special teamer for Bill Belichick. Yes, and uh, my, uh, as you know, my partner, Tom Murphy, who we do a podcast with, you've been on our podcast many times. I have, and, uh, and enjoyed he it. Is, <laughs> Murph is a tremendous fan of uh, Brandon Bolden. He's very mad at me right now because I left him off. But I think, you know, when, when I'm looking at this, you know, I think that they're going to have to make a decision. And if Sony Michelle isn't ready for, you know, a, a yeoman's amount of work, that would open the door, I think, for Hill. It will close the door uh, for a guy like Brandon Bolden, who's been so valuable on special teams. But again, I think they're going to have to make some really difficult decisions across the board, and I think Bolden will be one of them. 
Uh, and I think Sonny Michelle is going to be a fantastic pass receiver, and I think he's going to be really crucial to the offense, um, assuming he can pick everything up. Uh, that is, you know, that should not be taken for granted because some uh, some rookies with tremendous uh, amounts of skill come in and don't pick up the system, don't pick up what Josh McDaniels wants them to do right out of the shoot and the, the multiple responsibilities on different routes and whatnot, uh, and it doesn't work out like you think it would. But with Sony Michelle, with Julian Edelman potentially missing the first four games uh, with the PED suspension, Sony Michelle's role as a rookie could be huge considering he could be a pass receiver out of the backfield along with James White. Absolutely. And, I, you know, watching him, I was very impressed down there. He has really good hands. He, he runs smooth routes. Uh, uh, I thought he was very smooth coming out of the backfield. He looks like he's going to be a dynamic playmaker in this offense. To me, it's just, you know, uh, I think he's going to be all of those things. It's just a question of can he pick it up in time? And uh, that's, that's the only question when it comes to his ability. Uh, how did uh, Tom Brady look with him? I mean, did he, did he get a lot of reps with uh, Tom Brady in the three days of um, the mandatory minicamp? Yeah, he did. Uh, he was out there quite a bit, and, you know, they mixed it up. They were handing the ball off. They were also throwing it to him quite a bit out of the backfield, and, of course, that's what minicamp is. It's more of a passing camp. Right. But I, I thought, you know, I thought, uh, you know, he got quite a few reps with Tom Brady, at least when I was down there, and, you know, that's that's the thing you look for, and you, you look for that level of comfort, not only with, with him, but with Tom Brady you know, and throwing the ball to him. And I didn't see anything that would alarm me at this early point of the game. Okay, let's move on to the wide receivers. You have six being kept. Um, and what I'm very surprised at uh, by this uh, is there's no room for Braxton Berrios. Um, right, right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And so no, and and so you've got Chris Hogan, Jordan Matthews. Really, no surprises there. Cordell Patterson. Uh, he's a kick return, one of the best kick returners in football. I don't think that's a surprise. You have Kenny Britt, Matthew Slater, Malcolm Mitchell. Of course, Julian Edelman suspended, so he won't count towards the six at least to start the season. And as you mentioned. Uh, this gives at least uh, one Patriots wide receiver at least a month's reprieve. Uh, and in this case, you think it's Malcolm Mitchell who gets that month's reprieve. Right. And, you know, with Mitchell, I mean, he missed virtually all of the spring. And uh, to me, that was like a, a big red flag. But then I read later on that, you know, they were uh, taking the cautious approach with him. So that – that may be a good sign that he's going to be ready for uh, for training camp. But, you know, he missed all of last season. He's had injury problems dating back to college. You know, um, if, if he is not going to be an everyday participant down there, I could conceivably see the Patriots cutting their ties with him as good as he was as a rookie. I mean, you know, we all know that injuries uh, are that big – equalizer and, and yep. that might crack the door open for a guy like Braxton Berrios or even Riley McCarron who looked pretty good um he wasn't great but he looked pretty good and he obviously after being on the practice squad last year he has a, a nice level of comfort in this offense and he was the number two kick returner as well as the number two punt returner uh during minicamp which again that could change once training camp starts but 
that's usually a good sign for a guy. Talking with um, uh, Steve Balistrieri of PatsFans.com. Steve, um, a couple of weeks ago, spoke with Jeff Howell of The Athletic. Last week, Ryan Hannibal uh, of WEEI.com. And, uh, Steve, they both said that Cordell Patterson has a lot of work to do in terms of his route running. What did you see from Cordell Patterson in terms of his ability to contribute in the passing game? Well, the one thing that stood out to me was they were trying to get him involved a lot, especially with Tom Brady. He was getting a lot of reps with Tom Brady. And, you know, I assumed we'd see, you know, the quick slants, the quick outs, you know, the the kind of gadget plays that he's been known for. But they didn't really do that, at least uh, when, when we were down there. They were trying to get him involved in the regular offense, and Tom Brady went to him quite a bit. You know, he still has a way to go, obviously. But, you know, I think he's pretty much of a lock right now because of his kick returning ability. And I think they're, they're definitely on board with him. And they're, you know, they're trying to get him that level of comfort. Training camp will be very interesting to watch, especially for him, Philip Dorsett, who actually I left off this, uh, this roster for the time being. Kenny Britt. I mean, all of those guys, there's a lot of spots wide open for this, uh, wide receiver position, especially with Julian Edelman being. See, and and that's to me what's fascinating. And there's going to be just so much focus on the wide receiver position, and for good reason, with Edelman's suspension um, thrown into the mix here and with Danny Amendola gone to uh, the Miami Dolphins. Um, I just think Kenny Britt over Braxton Berrios, that surprises me. That sticks out a lot because, you know, what you read about Braxton Berrios is he is a Julian Edelman uh, in the making. Uh, he is certainly someone who could come in and fill the uh, Edelman's foot, uh, you know, shoes, sizable shoes, uh, out of the University of Miami uh, for years to come. Right. And, you know, he's a, he's a guy that watching the tape on him, I mean, he's kind of like that dynamic guy that the Patriots love to have in the short passing game. Unfortunately for him, he's coming off like a, a injury, and you know he was down on the lower practice field. So during minicamp, we didn't get to see him at all. And you know, uh, we'll have to see how he works out once training camp starts in about five weeks. But uh, by you know everything we've seen and read about him, he's going to be one of those guys that we'll have to watch really, really closely. All right, let's move on to the offensive line. Who is your starting left tackle, Adrian Waddle, to start the season? Um, that's a great question. There, there's so many questions right now, and they're all because of injury. I mean, Trent Brown seems like he's going to be the guy. I think he probably will be if he's healthy in the, you know, come September. You know, um, Marcus Cannon's coming off an injury. Um, Isaiah Wynn is coming off an injury. I mean, they have so many guys who are dinged up right now. I think we'll probably see – I think it's going to be Trent Brown. You know, and he's just a massive human being. I heard he was big, and then once you see him in person, it's it's amazing how big he really is. You know, uh, all those offensive linemen are large. They're large human beings, but he's a – much larger than the average guy, I would say. I got to tell you, that uh, pick, or I'm sorry, that acquisition from the 49ers (laughs) right before uh, the draft in April, that went under the radar. That might be one of their bigger, more significant um, acquisitions of the offseason, literally and figuratively. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if if they – 
keep winning at left guard, at least for the time being. And, um, you know, that obviously doesn't bode well for the incumbents, but uh, I, I think they'll, they'll be in pretty good shape because they'll have win Waddle. I, I'm sure Marcus Cannon will be back at some point, uh, you know, during the summer. Just right now, they're so banged up. It's going to be interesting to see who's there when the smoke clears. I had Cole Croston as one of their backups. But again, I mean, uh, you know, they, they have a lot of depth there of injuries at this point. Shaq Mason and David Andrews. David Andrews, the center. Shaq Mason, the right guard. I mean, those are the two anchors right now uh, of that offensive line. And, and you would say Marcus Cannon at, at right tackle if he's healthy, right? Right. And then, you know, Wynn and uh, I think it will be Trent Brown with I, I think Waddle will be your, your swing guy because uh, he's, he's shown he can handle that position and he, he's good at it. And I think they'll, they'll keep him around for that. And I'm sure we'll see him start at least one or two games. He seems to always do that. Speaking with Steve Balistrieri of PatsFans.com. Everybody, I want to tell you about a new wellness brand for men. It's called Hims for Hims.com specifically. 66% of men lose their hair by the age of 35. Thing is, when you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. It's easier to keep the hair you have than to replace the hair you have lost. Is that hairline slowly starting to move backwards? Any bald spots yet? How will you feel a year from now if it's, well... Business as usual, up top. Here's a solution, 4 It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can now be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. There's well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. No snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. It's so easy. Order now. My listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today right now while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. Go to 4 slash trags. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash T-R-A-G-S. 4 slash trags. Welcoming back again, Steve Balistrieri from patsfans.com. Going over uh, Steve's uh, projected 53-man roster version 1.0 post-minicamp edition, as he calls it, on uh, his website, patsfans.com. And we want to move on to the defense now and special teams. You've got a uh, stunner uh, in special teams, I think, and uh, that's what we call in the business a tease. But first of all, your defensive line, really, I don't think no surprises here, as you uh, wrote in your uh, write-up uh You've got Trey Flowers, Malcolm Brown, Danny Shelton, Adrian Claiborne, Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, Vincent Valentine, and Derek Rivers. That's, uh, I think, one of the uh, real uh, stabilities of this defensive unit is their uh, defensive line in terms of depth. Yeah, and uh, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, that was a position they, they struggled with last year because of injuries. And this year, you know, they're getting a lot of guys back. I think, you know, they still have the option of, Moving Dante Hightower around at times, I wouldn't be surprised to see him up on the line. But I think their depth is a lot better. Adrian Claiborne will be a big addition. Trey Flowers has been an under-the-radar, really solid player for them. I thought Dietrich Weiss had a really good rookie year, and now they're getting Rivers back, who was their top pick a year ago. So I think the, the future for these guys 
depending if they stay healthy, is really good this year. So you've got uh, two um, organizational pass rushers, I would I would call them. That's Trey Flowers and Dietrich Wise, guys who were in the organization who proved that they could get to the quarterback. Uh, Trey Flowers, I mean, I, th- I think he is a star uh, at this point um, in the AFC in terms of best defensive lineman. Uh, I think he is a tremendous, tremendous player, and I think he has shown that uh, over his several years in the NFL with the Patriots. Uh, and then you have Adrian Claiborne, who I think they brought in, right, to kind of add to their uh, edge pass rushing uh, from the defensive line unit. Yes, and, you know, Claiborne is a guy that has shown he can do it. I mean, he had that one monster game last year against the Cowboys, but he, he's been a – I think he's been one of those really solid, all-around good football players that Bill Belichick likes. He's not hes not a Vaughn Miller-type pass rusher, but he's a guy that will be able to set the edge. You know, he'll be able to rush the passer. He does all the things that I think the Patriots want their defensive uh, – edge guys to, you know, to do. And he's, he's a little bit bigger than most of the, you know, the premier edge guys that you see today. Most of them are about 250, 255 pounds. You know, he's a little bit bigger than that. And that's what the Patriots like out of their guys, especially the three down guys. I think he's going to fit in really, really well here, especially with Trey Flowers on the other end. We know Wise had a, a really good rookie season. We're looking at him to, you know, expound upon that this year. And then, you know, getting Derek Rivers back, I think, is really going to help them. Okay, you have seven linebackers, and you're putting Brandon King in that linebacking group. Uh, Bit of a surprise there, or is he one of those uh, modified linebackers, those hybrid linebackers who can also play safety that uh, you just had no place for him in the secondary, so you threw him in the linebacking core? <laughs> yeah, because you know, uh, with Brandon King, he's kind of like one of those tweeners that Bill Belichick likes that the safety hybrid linebacker role. And you know, when we've been down there, one of the things I've noticed is King practices a lot with the linebacking core. So I, I put him in in the linebacking core, but he's to me, he's really a special team guy first and a defensive player second. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I'm certainly not surprised by that. And then your linebacking group. Uh, again, you know, Jeff Howe and, and Ryan Hannibal both noted that um, there's less of an impact or le- less of an emphasis, I should say, on linebackers uh, because of the, the position is kind of, uh, you know, morphed into this situation where you have to either be able to get after the uh, quarterback with regularity uh, or stop the run with regularity, but there isn't a lot of uh, room uh, in your base defenses for a lot of linebacking linebackers to be on the field at once. I mean, if you have three linebackers on the field nowadays, that's a lot. Yeah, and, you know, we've say, seen that. that that's what the, the Patriots basically run like about a, what we call a 5 4 with two linebackers. The, you know, um, they, they sometimes run that extra defensive lineman sometimes it might be an extra defensive back or a four two five you know they they morph it around a little bit but i think that you know with the linebackers if dante hightower is back kyle van nori has proven to be you know a good rotational guy i think he's he's a good solid player i think last year they just asked him to do too much and 
with if Hightower can stay healthy this year, I think the the addition of Christian Sam, Juwan Bentley, I think Harvey Langey's going to make it a, a impact to to a degree this year. That that was one of the surprises for on my, my selection where yeah. I had him bumping a, a Landon Roberts off the roster. Why? Just because you like his I athleticism just, a little bit more? I mean, I, Landon Roberts is kind of a missile. Right. And uh, But, you know, he, he, I think he proved to be a little bit of a liability in coverage. Right. And I think Lange gives them a little bit more in that. And I think he's a little bit more versatile because they can, if in a pinch, they can put him on the edge as well. They can move him around a little bit. He can play on the outside. I think he's better inside as an inside linebacker but i think he's a little more athletic and with the way the game is you know progressing i think bentley is is kind of a replacement for a guy like roberts because they're kind of like that same player they're that downhill you know uh like you said a missile and especially in the running game and i i think the way when they drafted bentley to me, that was a, a statement that they were really happy with what they had in Roberts. Well, I want to ask you about Lange. Um, so all the reports are that you hear that Lange is fully recovered from that very scary automobile accident um, uh, down outside Foxborough uh, last fall with his involving yes, his wife I, as well. Yeah, him and his wife were really seriously injured. They had to cut them out of the jaws of life and that you know, he and one of the things that I heard him say after one of the, the uh, minicamp sessions was that he had never had a surgery related to football. And huh. I found surprising because these days, I mean, it seems like everyone's always having some kind of, you know, procedure done. But he's never had a surgery related to football. And he had to have a uh, surgery because of this auto accident. But he looked to me like he was 100% back. He looks really healthy. He he seemed to be moving around quite well, and, and again, that's something we'll have to watch closely once training camp starts. But I uh, I like that acquisition last year. I'm hoping that that will bear fruit for the Patriots, but we'll have to see. What about cornerback? Uh, and I, you know, we all know about Stephon Gilmore, Jason McCourty, yeah. Eric Rose probably going to start the year as a slot corner. Uh, Duke Dawson will certainly challenge for that. But a guy that got a lot of attention during uh, the mini camps uh, and during the mandatory mini camp, the three day session a couple of weeks ago was J.C. Jackson. What can you tell us about J.C. Jackson, a guy who um, got uh, some reps with the first team uh, secondary unit? Yeah, I, I, you know, when we watched him, you know, they, I, I immediately recognized, wow, they had him out there with Gilmore. They were facing right. what would you would consider the top guys in the Patriots offense, the Edelmans, the Hogans, you know, um, and he, he's very competitive. You know, he's very feisty. He's not afraid to mix it up. And, of course, you know, he can only do so much because it's, you know, non-contact. Sure. But, the one, the one thing I took away from him was he wasn't intimidated by, by it all. And, um, you know, he, he jumped right in there. And I thought he, you know, handled himself very, very well going against the, you know, the Hogans and the, uh, you know, Kenny Britts, Philip Dorsett. I mean, these are the guys you would expect to be on the Patriots starting offense. And for a rookie to come in and play like that with that kind of confidence right out of the gate, it stood out. I, I, I think 
he impressed the coaches because they were giving him more and more reps. So uh, to me, that's a great sign. If you can bring in a guy like that, you already have what you consider to be, you know, your top two or three corners. It can only help, especially with Jonathan Jones and Cyrus Jones, who we still don't know what they're going to get out of him being injured. Yeah, it's hard to believe. Cyrus Jones, I mean, you you have him projected as starting the season on PUP, correct? Yes. Both actually, yeah, both Joneses starting the season on PUP. I uh, say, so, uh, where do you know Jonathan Jones stands right now in terms of why you would still have him on PUP? Well, you know, he he didn't partake in any of the um, the mini camp. Um, he was down. That's a good sign. You know, uh, we, we did notice he was down there with the uh, guys on the lower field working out with the training staff. So I'm assuming that he's not all the way back yet. And, you know, from what limited we could see down on the lower field, it looked like he was just partaking in some light running. So he's probably not all the way back yet. Could be totally wrong on that. We'll have to see. But those Achilles injuries are, you know, they're... Can be tricky. They... Yeah, they, they can take a long time to get all the way back. Uh, safety, there's no surprises here, so I'm going to kind of gloss over it. You have Devin McCourty, Patrick Chung, Duran Harmon, and Nate Ebner. So you have 10 defensive backs uh, making the roster. And again, you have a Brand- Brandon King, a special teamer, uh, essentially included with the linebacking core. Want to move on to specialists. Kicker Stephen Guskowski, long snapper Joe Cardona. Cardona uh, recently uh, just re-upped uh, with the Patriots. Punter Corey Bajorquez. Yeah, Bajorquez. Bajorquez. Okay, Corey Bajorquez. Um, you have him beating out Ryan Allen. Why? Yeah, and that was that was kind of a reach a little bit, but I'll, I'll tell you the one thing I, I heard a lot about this kid coming out of New Mexico. We heard he had a tremendous leg, and then I was watching once the. Uh, the mini camp got down and they, they were doing their, their punting drills and he really stood out. I mean, he was putting a charge into the ball and he was getting tremendous amounts of hang time, much more so than Ryan Allen. Now, the one thing that I did write that his directional punting is Allen's is still much, much better than his. You know, Allen is, is very adept at pinning the, uh, you know, the opponents inside the 20 yard line, that's where he's made his, his bones in the NFL. But the one thing that stood out about Bajorquez, I guess is how you pronounce his name, was that he really has a strong leg. And, you know, when I look back, when Allen beat out um, Zoltan Mesco a few years ago, Mesco was in the final year of his uh, deal. And now Allen's in the final year of his deal. I just have that feeling that this kid is going to beat out Ryan Allen. I know it's way too early to make that kind of a prediction, but he's just one of those guys. I'm going to be watching really closely because he does have a tremendous leg. Well, that's uh, that's why um, these conversations uh, in June are so interesting because you don't know what's going to happen in July and August. Um, and then as we move up towards uh, opening day, uh, what kind of cuts are going to be made? What kind of su- There's always going to be two or three surprises. Um, some, 
you know, moves that, you know, really raise an eyebrow or two. And uh, Corey Pajorquez, I'm going to really work on my pronunciation so that rolls <laughs> off my tongue um, as training camp goes on and, with, you know, by the time I get down to Foxborough in July, I want to make sure that when I meet Corey Bajorquez, I know at least how to pronounce his last name. Okay, let's move on to Tom Brady. It took us, thank God, a half hour to get to this uh, subject that I, I really loathe now, and but we have to touch on it. Uh, Brady had an hour-long interview with Oprah Winfrey on Oprah's uh, channel, OWN, the OWN channel. And, um, you know, he was asked about all of the subjects you would expect him to be asked and some things that were, you know, fairly uh, out of left field, like his the role of his faith, uh, touching back on his Facebook documentary. Oprah asked him about why uh, faith had has st- such a big role in Tom's life to this point. What were your takeaways from his answer to that and and other takeaways from his interview? Yeah, I didn't find any of that surprising. I, I uh, was kind of surprised by, I guess you could say, the backlash that we were seeing off of the entire interview with Oprah Winfrey. And, you know, she's, uh, you know, you have to give Oprah credit. She's really good at what she does, and she makes people comfortable enough to open up to her. And that's yep, an hour-long interview she, she, would she, indicate that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're if yeah, you're on and, camera an hour, you're certainly comfortable speaking to the person, right? Right. And, you know, and that, I didn't find anything that Tom Brady said to be remotely surprising. I mean, you know, he talked about his faith. Uh, I, I didn't find any of that uh, particularly surprising. And then, you know, I, I know that he kept saying that his career is, you know, closer to the end than the beginning. Well, um, I don't know why anyone would take issue with that. I mean, he's 41 years old. That's the one thing that we always talk about. Hey, he's 40 years old. He's going to be 41. You know, it's time for the Patriots to start finding the next successor to Tom Brady. And for him to admit that, to me, isn't, uh, to me, it was, you know, he, he was facing reality. He's not, he's not living in a dream world where he's saying, I'm going to play for 10 more years. I just felt, felt like it was a very, very good interview. I, I liked it. Uh, how and I'm not a big Oprah Winfrey fan, but I thought she handled that extremely well, and she got a lot of great answers out. Well, I, I will say this, and I know Tommy Curran uh, wrote this um, for NBC Sports Boston, uh, and I agree with him. You watch the interview, and you and you get the same sense that you get watching his Facebook documentary toward the end that. Is he really all in right now? And, you know, Tom Brady has set the bar so high in terms of his preparation and his focus and his intensity that anything below that uh, or appearing to be below that uh, sticks out. And this, that answer about, I think about it rather, the end of my career sooner than later, leads Mm. me to believe that I think he's thinking about the end of his career where going into a season prior, even last year, that thought didn't even enter his mind, or he certainly didn't acknowledge that that thought was entering his mind. Now it seems like it's closer to uh, his consciousness. And I don't know if that impacts the way he plays the game or not. I think that's a legitimate question. However, I just think that, you know, we know his level of focus 
we know how hard he, you know, he, he uh, practices and prepares himself for the grind of the season. And, you know, and, and again, you, you go down to minicamp and you're, you're basically grasping at straws because you're, you're looking to see any indication that something is off. And it's, it looked to me like he was the, the Tom Brady we've all known for 17 years. And he, he just seemed to be, you know, locked in as he always is. I'm not really worried. I mean, I'm more worried about his age than his, you know, level of, uh, I guess you could say, uh, if he's all in anymore. I, I don't worry about that. I think that's, you know, part of who he always has been. But, you know, at some point, his age is going to creep up and we'll right. have to see if he can, you know, if he can still do the things he's always done. Steve, I think actually that's an excellent point that, um, you know, we can, we love in the media to read into people's words and read into athletes' words and try to get a sense of, well, is he all in? Is he not all in? Is he, you know, concerned about this, concerned about that in terms of, um, you know, outside forces uh, impacting how he might prepare for a game. Whereas what you really should be prepared, uh, concerned about if you're Tom Brady is you're 41 and you are slowing down and he is not moving around even like he did five, six years ago. I mean, there are people who are going to say, you know, his work with Alex Guerrero has made him as flexible and as mobile as he has ever been in his career. But still, that being said, you th- there were signs of him taking hits. He's taken many more hits over the last two years than I would say his previous ten combined. I mean, he's just been hit a lot more. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think, uh, especially last year, it seemed like he was getting hit almost uh, at times every other play, and you know that's the, the, he can't have that, especially at his age. I mean, we all know the NFL is a, a pretty brutal game, and the average lifespan of a player isn't very long. And for a guy 41 to take the abuse he has physically, it's just it boggles the imagination. But yeah, I think um, you know when you look at that, and that has to be a concern moving forward. And I, you know, when you look at what the Patriots did, they tried to bolster that offensive line for him th- this spring to address that. All right. And we want to wrap it up here, Steve. I want to let you tell people how they can follow you on Twitter, um, how they might be able to get in touch with you via email. And you have your own podcast. I want you to talk about it here. Right. Um, and I, once again, Craig, thanks for having me. I, I love talking football with you either on the phone or, uh, you know, down in Gillette when we get to uh, do that together. Um, you Likewise. can find me on Twitter at, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SteveB7SFG. Uh, I write for PatsFans.com. We do a podcast there called Patriots 4th and 2. And as you also know, I do another podcast with Thomas Murphy. And uh, Murph and I uh, do One Patriot Place. So um, we, uh, we would love to have you back on again real soon. You know, especially with training camp right around the corner, it's always a fun time of the year. 
Most definitely, Steve. You can count on that. Thanks again, everybody, for downloading today's Patriots Beat. want to once again thank our terrific guest, Steve Balistreri from PatsFans.com. You can follow him on Twitter one more time, at Steve B7SFG. You can also give us a follow, at PatriotsCLNS, and my own personal account, a follow, at Trags, of course, T-R-A-G-S. Today's sponsor, 4 For Patriots content manager, Mike Alonji, CLNS media executive producer Larry H. Russell and the founder of the network Nick Gelso. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Media. What's going on Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host Mr. Mike Nice and live on CLNS Radio immediately after every single Pass game Calling at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion. Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher, and the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Yeah.